Crave, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here tonight. We are continuing our series, The Message. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there tonight, we're going to do some really hard work and get through all of one verse tonight. So, yeah, when Robsy or any of those other guys are teaching, I like to give them huge chunks. But for me, just one verse. So tonight we're going to look at, at Matthew seven twelve. But before we do that, I want you to engage a little bit with our topic tonight. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And if it's true for you, what I'd like you to do is just stand up, okay? Get some blood flowing, make sure you're still awake, okay? If you have ever been ignored by somebody, would you stand up? Okay, you can sit back down. If you have been purposely excluded, like they left you out on purpose, you can stand up. Okay, you can sit back down. If you've ever been bullied, stand up. Okay, you can sit back down. If you have ever been the butt of a hurtful joke, would you stand up? If the person who made that joke is in this room, point at them. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. <coughs> Sit back down. If you've ever been gossiped about and then you heard about it afterward, awkward, stand up. Okay? Okay? You can sit back down. If you've ever been mocked, made fun of, stand up. Okay? You can sit back down. If you would say you've been verbally abused, yeah. Okay, you can stand back down. If if stand back down, sit back down. If you've ever been made to feel less than or unimportant, would you stand up? Okay. Everybody can sit down. I think almost everybody stood up for at least one of those, right? We we've been there. It doesn't feel good. We don't like any of those things. One more participation thing though, and you don't have to stand for this one. I'll ask you to raise your hands. If you've ever done that to someone else, would you raise your hand? Any of those things? Now look around. We've all felt that, and it's not great. But almost all of us have done that to someone else. How we treat people, it matters. And tonight we're looking at just one verse, but it's a big one. It's the golden rule. So we'll put it up on the screen for you. It's Matthew 7, 12. Jesus says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, if you go back into the Old Testament and you look at the law, right? You look at those first five books, which there's some narrative, but there's a lot of here's how you should live. And you look at the prophets and how they spoke to the nations, much of what you'll see in the Old Testament comes down to relational guidelines. Here's how you should deal with one another. Here's how you deal with people from a different country. Here's how you deal with your family, your friends, your enemies. Jesus says, ultimately, it boils down to this. Treat people the way you want to be treated. That's why elsewhere, when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? He says, really, it's twofold. You love God completely. And you love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. How we treat people matters. This is known as the golden rule. Your Bible probably has that as the heading. And there's some form of the golden rule in pretty much every world religion. 
Uh, it's known as the ethic of reciprocity, meaning treat people the way you want them to turn around and treat you. In fact, even people who have no world religion that they would claim know about the golden rule. Most of us learn this in kindergarten, right? This is, this is just basic human decency. But it should mean more to us as Christ followers. It just should. Because we believe that everyone is made in the image of God and therefore they carry inherent dignity, value, and worth. So it goes beyond just general human kindness to recognizing this is a created being made by God and we should value them. And ultimately, the love that we have been shown in Christ, we should show to others. When we think about Jesus, who lived a perfect life, did not deserve to be killed on the cross, but he willingly took that step to show his love for us, that should change how we interact with other people. I want to put it to you this way, just in kind of one takeaway phrase. How we treat others shows how we view God. How we treat others shows how we view God. Because again, every single person that you've ever met is made in the image of God. Every person that you've ever made the butt of a joke, every person that you've ever purposely excluded, every person that you verbally abused is made in the image of God. And so when we do that to somebody, we're showing what we really think of God. We'll see that pan out as we study a little bit more Scripture tonight. Now, I told you we're doing just one verse in the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to look pretty extensively tonight at the book of 1 John. So if you want to flip over, it's towards the back. 1 John, I think, is such a helpful book. We're actually going to walk verse by verse by verse through that book next year, probably about the same time. But in 1 John 2, that's uh, where we kind of want to start tonight. So 1 John 2, 19, if you're just jotting down references it says this, if anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. If you claim to follow Christ but you treat others badly, you're being that person who's bullying them, you're mocking them, you're gossiping about them, you're ultimately hating them, you're in darkness. How we treat people matters. This shouldn't be shocking. And yet, when we look around the world today, we see a lot of hateful, hurtful things being said about people and done to people. And if you're going to say that you follow Christ, that's not something you should be a part of. Let's jump over to 1 John 3, just one chapter over. John says, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Now, John is using this context of we as Christ followers towards other Christ followers. But I want to just expound on that and tell you how you treat anybody and everybody in your life matters. It just does. He says, if you're showing love, compassion, forgiveness, it proves that you've passed from death to life. That's the language we use here at Brookwood. But if, if you don't do those things, if you don't love, it proves really you're still dead. In fact, he says you're a murderer. Now, that's not language we're super comfortable with, but if you were to walk back to Matthew 5, 
Still in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you have that anger, that hate, that grudge in your heart, it's the same thing as taking someone's life. It's still a broken relationship, and that's still a sin that separates you from Christ. This is significant language that's being used here. We are called to love people because of how we have been loved. We'll skip down a little bit further in 1 John 3, down to verse 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. You've probably heard the expression that talk is cheap. It's easy to say something to go out and actually back it up. It's something completely different, right? You don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk. And that's why he says, don't just say it, do it. And I'll use this time to jump out of 1 John over to Romans 12. This is a verse I've always loved. Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. I think if we were honest, there are people in our life that we, we just kind of fake it. For the sake of keeping things smooth, we don't really want to rock the boat, so we just kind of fake it. But we're called to really love people and to love them with our actions. Now, I would point out to you that the golden rule, what Jesus says, is that we should treat people the way we want to be treated. It's active. It's not passive. Do to others what you want them to do to you. He does not say, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Now, certainly that's a part of it, right? Of course that's a part of it. But I think that he chooses this active language on purpose. Because unfortunately, I think a lot of times we just settle for not doing anything really bad. We go, hey, you know, I, I stood by while somebody bullied them, but I didn't actually do it myself. Or I laughed at that joke that someone made at their expense, but I wasn't the one who made it. And so we become very passive. And we wind up just standing on the sidelines, but I will tell you this, if someone was cracking jokes on me, I would want somebody to stand up for me. Not to just be passive, but to be active in showing their love, really genuinely loving me by having my back. All those things we talked about at the beginning, a lot of times there's somebody who stood right by and watched it happen and didn't have your back. And then that just makes you feel lonely and it makes you wonder, does anybody care about me? Yeah, this person's saying it, but everybody else is just letting it happen. So we do to others what we want them to do to us. It's active. We want to be moving on behalf of others, loving others well. Let's jump back to 1 John. We'll get into chapter 4 now, kind of a quick survey, if you will. 1 John 4, 20 through 21 says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. This comes back to what I was saying is how we treat others shows how, how we really feel about God. You can't sit here and claim, I love Jesus, who you've never actually seen, and you turn around and hate the people that you can they're made in his image, and when you do that, you show what you really think about God. If you think you're following God, but you're living a life full of hate and hurtfulness, you're not following the God of the Bible. You're following some other God that you kind of made to fit your own worldview. In fact, I would go as far as to say you're probably just worshiping yourself. 
we're really good at that. Putting ourselves first, occasionally thinking about somebody else, if they can do something for me, and then, yeah, we'll get to God somewhere else along the way. When the, the right order is actually God, others, and ourselves last. We're real quick to stand up for ourselves when we feel like we've been slighted, when someone's done us an injustice. Hey, you can't take away. Hey, what about me? What about what I should be able to do? What about my rights? What about me? Do you care as much about the rights of others as you do about yourself? Are you willing to sacrifice of yourself that somebody else would benefit or gain? If you're not, you might need to take a step back and examine how you really feel about God and how you really feel about others. Now, I want to go back to the words of Christ and not in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard in that video that we play at the beginning of this series, if you really want to know what Jesus is all about, you get into the Sermon on the Mount. And I stand by that. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are Jesus' longest recorded public sermon. But if you want to go a little bit deeper, I would challenge you to get into what's known as the, uh, the farewell discourse. Basically, what Jesus is going to say to his disciples right at the very end. You get into those last handful of chapters in the book of John. In John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you see what Jesus has to say to those he was closest with. Those can be hugely shaping for you as a follower of Christ. And in John 13, Jesus talking with his disciples says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. We've heard this before. Love each other. We talk about it all the time. But Jesus says, just as I have loved you. So I would ask you to think about for a second, how did Jesus love? What words come to your mind? Somebody said unconditionally, yeah. Jesus' love was not conditional. And I'll tell you what, I think we're really good at placing conditions on our love. Hey, I'll love you if you do this for me. I'll love you, but anytime you say that, I love you, but whatever comes next invalidates that first part. The love of Christ is not conditional. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have sinned. We stood up. We raised our hands. We, we've been a part of that. Christ did not love you any less in that moment. Doesn't mean he loves that action. Doesn't mean he approves of that sin, but he still loves us unconditionally. And I would say Christ loves sacrificially. Love is going to cost you something if it's genuine. If you look at the relationships that you have in your life, the closest relationships, your family, your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your teammates, to truly love them means you're going to give up something for them. That's what Jesus did. Within hours of saying these things to his disciples, he was arrested, beaten, and killed. That's what real love is, to sacrifice. When's the last time you loved somebody sacrificially, that you gave up of yourself? And listen, hear me say this. I'm not saying that it has to be that extreme. When's the last time you let somebody else have the last cookie? When's the last time that maybe you let somebody else go ahead of you in line? When's the last time you just gave up something so that somebody else could benefit or gain? Are you living a life of forgiveness? Because if 
I think we all want to be shown that forgiveness. When we make mistakes, we want people to forgive us, but we're really quick to hold a grudge ourselves. I've said this to you before. We judge people by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. So, hey, I, I meant well. It just didn't come out right. So judge me by what I meant, but we give nobody else the benefit of the doubt. We just cut them off at the legs, and we're vengeful and not forgiving. I think about Jesus on the cross praying to the Father and, and saying, forgive these people. They don't understand what they're doing. Jesus is being murdered, and he's praying for their forgiveness. We're out here praying curses and condemnation on folks when they cut us off in traffic. We get so bent out of shape over such small things that eternally will not matter. We've got to become a people of forgiveness. We've got to be a people who take the golden rule seriously. It's not just something for the kindergarten classroom. We want to treat everyone we encounter the way we want to be treated. And this is hard. It's not easy. This is something we do together. We hold each other accountable. That's why we spend so much time in small group talking about these things. And I promise you, I'm almost done. We're going to get to small group so you can talk about how difficult this is. But I want to give you kind of some counsel and some advice as you go. Pray about this. Ask God to help you. This is a supernatural thing to be able to love other people the way that Christ loved us. And don't miss the fact that in that John passage, he says, it's that love that's going to show the world you belong to me. It's not the fact that you go to church. There are a lot of people who go to church, come to this church, who are sitting here at Crave. You don't know Jesus. You're lost. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Wearing a WWJD bracelet doesn't make you a Christian. Having your preset on 89.3, his radio, doesn't make you a Christian. The way you love people is what proves to the world that you're a Christ follower. So you pray and you ask Christ, help me to do this. Now, I want to leave you with a prayer. The band's uh, moving back this direction, which is good. Uh, this is called the prayer of peace. Some people wrongly, in my opinion, attribute this to St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, it's, it's, it's not an insult. It's the real thing. Uh, so it's known as the prayer of St. Francis, if you want to Google this later, but Historically, don't know that's 100% accurate. This is an excellent prayer. And I want to read this to you. I want to pray this over you. And then I, I would love if we could kind of do this together. So let me read this to you. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light and where there is sadness joy O divine master grant that i may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned it is in dying that we are born to eternal life